Mercedes have taken every pole position this year, except for one. The outlier was Turkey, where a mix of rain and new asphalt made conditions extremely treacherous. And the man who came through the madness to take his first pole position in Formula One is my guest this week. Welcome to Beyond the Grid with me, Tom Clarkson. Lance Stroll was that man on pole at Istanbul Park, and he went on to lead the race convincingly until his pit stop on lap 36. At that point, things started to unravel due to some front wing damage, but he'd made his point. He'd proved that he can mix it with the very best. Lance's pace in adverse conditions is nothing new. Remember his front row start at Monza in 2017, when he hauled his Williams up the order during a wet qualifying session. And we shouldn't be surprised by his coolness under pressure either, something we first saw in Baku 2017 when he kept his head while others didn't to score his first podium in Formula One. I'm not going to lie, Lance has his critics, mostly people who think he didn't have to fight hard enough to get where he is today because he had the backing of billionaire father Lawrence. And that may be true, but there are plenty of drivers like him in motor racing. And while money can buy opportunity, there's one thing it can't buy, talent. At every level on the road to Formula One, Lance delivered, enjoying championship successes in Formula 4 and Formula 3 before getting his break with Williams in 2017. Lance and I sat down in Bahrain last weekend over a Zoom call, and despite interviewing him every weekend in the FIA press conferences, it was the first long chat we'd ever had. We talked about his background, about the negative press, about the highlights of his career so far, and so much more. And we had a laugh too. I hope you enjoy our conversation. And let's kick things off with a reminder of what happened in Turkey. Lance Stroll going for pole. Lance Stroll's done it by a second and a half at the very end after being on the back foot since his huge, huge crash in Mugello has done enough. An amazing qualifying session. And for the first time in Formula One, Lance Stroll, a pole position winner. Talk us through the euphoria of taking that pole in Turkey. Is the lap still imprinted on your memory? I think that lap will be uh, imprinted in my memory for a long time. It was very challenging out there. The conditions were were really difficult. Um, you know, at the end of of, uh, of qualifying there in, in Q3, I, uh, you know, I, I I had the confidence in the car, and um, you know, I, I I I felt like I was pretty comfortable uh, all the way throughout qualifying, and. Um, you know, I really, I really put in a good lap there at the end, and uh, yeah, when I got the the radio call, the radio message from my engineer that um, that I was on pole, it was, uh, you know, it was it was almost surreal. Brad, I want to hear you say it, mate. That's pole position. I want to hear you say it. <laughs> Pole position, Lance. Pole position. Let's go! <laughs> it, was, it was such an amazing moment, such a, an amazing highlight uh, in my career, and you know something that I've uh, been dreaming about for you know for a long time. And uh, moments like that, uh, you know, uh, are, are are moments that. 
that lasts with you forever. So it was definitely uh, you know an amazing accomplishment and uh, um, like I said, one of the biggest highlights of my career for sure. Being the hard-nosed racing driver, do you look at that lap and think, ah, I could have gone a bit quicker here and here and here? And have you analysed it like that? For sure, of course. Um, you know, uh, there's there's always imperfection. Um, there's always things in hindsight you look back on and um, think to yourself, I could have done that better. I could have done that better. So for sure, um, I know it's it's impossible um, to be perfect, but um, that is what we strive for. Uh, so. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, a couple things like turn five, I, I went a little bit deep um, and I thought to myself afterwards, I could have done that a bit better and, you know, but in those conditions, it's all about minimizing mistakes, right? So uh, all in all, I, I, you know, I felt like it was a pretty good lap and uh, it was pretty tidy. And to be honest, when I crossed the line, I knew that on that, on that tire, um, on the intermediate tire, which we were on and the lap that I just did, it would have been it would have been pretty hard for someone to to beat that. Why do you think you're so good in the wet? I mean, Max Verstappen's dad used to send Max out on slicks whenever it rained in go-karts. Did you do the same kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I drove a lot in the wet growing up. Um, just back in, in Canada, the weather's so, so shitty that half the time we're running around in wet conditions. But I think it's just my my joy for for those conditions. You know, I really enjoy the the challenge and the um, you know I think like the dance that you have with the car in those conditions. I mean, every corner is kind of unexpected in terms of how wet it's going to be and um, and how the car is going to react. So I think there's constant adaptation um, that comes with those conditions and that's that's what I enjoy about it I've always enjoyed that challenge and I've just had a good feel for you know the the car and in wet conditions and where the limit is um, I don't know what that comes down to but it's just a, a challenge that I've that I've always enjoyed and um, I'm, I'm comfortable in those in those conditions now that dance you refer to how different is it in the wet compared to in the dry I mean, in the wet, I guess the best way of, of describing it is I think everything just, just slows down. Um, and it's, it's, as, you know, it's as if you're driving in slow motion. You know, finding the, the limit in the wet is uh, it's risk-reward um, a lot of the time. You know, I think it's understanding, it's calculating the risks that you're taking um, each corner um, and recognizing that, you know, if you, if you push a little bit too hard, you could spin off or, you know, crash and... Um, it's recognizing where that limit is and and um, and deciding how far you want to push it, um, you know. And uh, yeah, that was that was really what what, um, what my my pole came down to in, in in Istanbul. I you know I I think I really built up to um, to that lap very well uh, throughout qualifying, just kind of studying each corner and where um, where the the limit of grip was, and then. When I got to the end of Q3 uh, and it was time to put in that lap, I, I executed it. You're a very good skier. Do you think the risk-reward <laughs> you talk about is something that you learnt skiing? Um, I think Are maybe, there parallels? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I've always been into like skiing and surfing and um, like, you know, sports like that with um, where like balance is required and 
Um, I guess there's a lot of feel to those sports. Um, and I think the wet is really like a feel craft, I guess you could you could say. And um, yeah, I, I, I for sure, maybe it, it does contribute to it. I don't know, but um, I think it comes down to feel, you know, and, and in the wet, I have a good feel, like I said. And um, that probably is what, what um, why, is why it suits me well. You certainly do have a good feel. Um, you mentioned surfing then. I saw that you went uh, to the wave at Bristol in the UK the other day. That's uh, Damon Hill's favourite hangout. Yeah, is it? I don't know Damon spends his, uh, his downtime at the wave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw what you put on social media. You were, you were catching some good waves. Uh, well, that's a strong word. I was, I was, I was tumbling <laughs> in a few waves as well, but... Um, yeah, um, I've 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 kind of got the surfing bug um, over the last couple of years, and um, when I can during my downtime, I, I try and I'm trying to get better at it. So now look, I'm still fascinated, Lance, about Turkey. Uh, you've explained qualifying and your dance in the wet so well. I just wanted to ask you about your mindset when you were sat on the grid on pole for the first time in formula one did you feel extra pressure um no not really i mean you know the butterflies for sure and um you know all that but i mean those are the moments that i think as a as an athlete you have to embrace more than anything else and you know i i really just took it all in and i you know i thought to myself i'm on pole here and you know, I'm, I'm in Formula One and this is, you know, this is, this is kind of a dream come true. So, you know, embrace it and um, enjoy it because I think those are the moments, you know, that have to, that you have to live for. And those are the moments that, um, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I, I feel, I feel so alive and, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost um, surreal. So, you know, I was just very focused and I, you know, I embraced the whole thing and uh, I was, uh, yeah, focused on the race, you know, um, it was, uh, it was a good opportunity starting on pole. Unfortunately, the race didn't work out as planned, but um, no, it was, uh, it was an amazing moment that I, that I enjoyed very much and, and, and the nerves and all that, you know, that come with it, of course, you know, that, that's every race, I think, you know, from wherever position you start uh, you know there's always there's always nerves there's always butterflies but um i think that's that's probably the biggest reason why i compete in the first place is because it's a an emotion a you know a feeling that um that i don't get anywhere else outside of outside of formula one and um you know i i uh I, I live for, for, for that moment on the grid where my, you know, my palms are a bit sweaty, my heart's pumping, and I look forward to that every, every race. So it's a love of competition as much as a love of driving? Yeah, it's a combination of the two, for sure. Um, I grew up uh, always being very competitive. I was always, I was always very competitive growing up. And, um, you know, at times I was probably like, you know, as, as much as it was my biggest strength, it's probably my biggest enemy at the same time um but yeah i mean it's it's a combination of the two it's the the element of competition i enjoy very much i've always enjoyed um whether it be in this sport or other sports i've always been 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 very competitive growing up in a in a good way and uh 
the craft of driving for sure the um you know the uh just the the sport itself um that's you know it's, it's a combination of those two things i i share i share the love for for both driving and and competition do you think you ever master the craft of driving? Do you think Lewis Hamilton, after seven world championships, has mastered it? Or do you think he's still learning that craft? Uh, no, I think we learn every day in everything we do um, you know, when it comes to driving or whatever it may be. Uh, like I said earlier, there's, there's always areas... Um, you know that that I look back on, or you know, I'm sure Lewis does as well. Even though he's a seven-time world champion, and you know, he's he's his his career is uh, is is incredible, has been incredible. I'm sure there's still you know days he looks back and thinks, um, you know, could have done that better, could have done. But I, I guess that's why that's that's the joy as well. That's that's the reason why um, we come back every year, come back every race is 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 to you know i do anyways just to challenge myself i love challenging myself and 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 i guess seeing how far my potential can go um i have an idea of you know where i want to get to but then i'm sure when i get to that stage i'm going to be chasing something else and i'm going to be trying to you know build on my strengths and and build on my weaknesses you know in, in two years time when i get to that place so it's a constant evolution for sure now look, I've got one final question about Turkey. What felt better, pole on Saturday or disappearing into the distance at the start of the race? Pole on Saturday, for sure. Really? Um, I thought those. Yeah, those because the race, <laughs> the race wasn't over, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> the race wasn't over. Um, no, pole on Saturday was was pretty awesome. That one was. Uh, that one. That one touched the soul for sure. If you were to ask me what was better, if I would have finished first or gotten pole, I would have said finish first. But yeah, uh, another time, another time. Well, look, let's talk about Formula One in um, slightly more general terms now. I just wanted to ask, has the sport of Formula One lived up to your expectations? Is it as much fun as you were expecting? Or I mean, you've seen how political it is with the pink Mercedes case this year and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's all part of the circus, right? Um, I think it's a love-hate relationship, you know, um, Formula One. And, you know, the, the great days are amazing. They're, it's the most rewarding feeling in the world when, um, when you dedicate your time and you put in the work and it all comes together and you get the result. I think that that is the most rewarding, most amazing feeling in the world. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's it's unlike anything else. But at the same time, for sure, when um, when things don't go to plan and um, and and it's disappointing, it's it's extremely frustrating. You know, that's that's probably the worst feeling in the world. So um, I think it's you know it's definitely an emotional roller coaster. But all in all, um, you know, Formula One. It's my fourth season now, and. It's been an incredible experience, and it's it's taught me so much as um, as a driver, but more as a as a person. I think you know it's it's uh, it's really it's really helped me grow uh, grow as a as a person, and, and I learned I've learned a lot about myself um, throughout this journey. So it has been an incredible experience up to now. Um, all in all, you know, it is uh, a very uh, 
yeah, interesting world to live in. Um, and, you know, I've learned uh, I've learned a lot about that. I think, you know, at the beginning, it was definitely very overwhelming coming into Formula One, hundreds of thousands of people um, at every race, millions watching from back home, um, you know, 500 people or, or more in some teams um, that, you know, dedicate their time um, and, you know, and, and and work tremendous amount of hours to help the team and, and to make the car as quick as possible. And when you're the driver, you're that final link in the chain that needs to go out there and, and get the job done. So uh, at the beginning, it was definitely very overwhelming. And um, I do think that uh, there was a lot that I didn't expect and that I wasn't prepared for when I came into Formula One that I thought I probably was prepared for. Are you talking about driving or are you talking about the circus? Yeah, on and off the track, the circus, the driving, I think the whole the whole package. Um, and I think over the last couple of years, I've I've adapted and I've learned a lot about, you know, what I need to to be um, competitive and um, and how I, I can manage, you know, Formula One and um, and you know, at the beginning, I definitely was I was very overwhelmed, and I think over time, I've created my own little bubble of people that I, you know, that I listen to and that I trust, and and you know, that's helped me a lot progress as a driver and um, and fit into to this Formula One world. Do you think F one has toughened you up a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's definitely uh, grown some thicker skin on me. <laughs> um, you know, it, it it's it's it comes with so much adversity and. Uh, so many uh, obstacles, um, you know, uh, that I think I think Formula One has 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 taught me so much about racing, but as, as about life as well, um, just to overcome adversity and um, and manage, you know, emotions and um, you know, and to and, and and to dedicate myself to something and 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 challenge myself and push myself. Um, you know, Formula One's forced me to push myself beyond uh, limits that I didn't think I, I, I could go. And, you know, that's that's technically and that's, you know, physically, mentally um, and in all different kinds of ways. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely um, it's definitely aged me a few <laughs> a few more years. Um, but, you know, that's what makes it so incredible. Like I said earlier, it's just that that constant challenge and that. Um, you know the 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 whole journey, uh, working with all these incredible engineers that you know, um, you know, five hundred, six hundred people back at the factory that that dedicate all their time to put the car on the grid, and um, you know, everyone, everyone, everyone works works on 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 something to bring everything together, and uh, you know, I think that whole process and that uh, that whole journey is uh, is amazing, and. I've really enjoyed that, uh, yeah, for the for the last four years. Is it lonely sometimes being in your little bubble at races, traveling all, all over the world? Well, this year it is with think, COVID. <laughs> yeah, but just but even without COVID, is it because the, I think the perception is that you guys have the rock and roll life, and it, it's amazing from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. But is it actually? much tougher than that particularly the loneliness aspect of it are you even mates with other drivers for goodness sake um yeah i mean that i am uh esteban's a good friend of mine and you know um sergio i've gotten to know him over the last couple years so for sure um 
it's definitely more glamorous when you're on pole position or when you're standing on top of the podium than it is on a Thursday here in, in Bahrain. Um, Chatting to me. For, that's for sure. Um, you know, no, for sure. I mean, it, you know, definitely people, um, I think the majority of people probably only see the tip of the iceberg and they see the, the good moments. Um, but there's definitely a lot of underlying, um, you know, struggles or you know, challenging times, traveling around, jet lag, um, a lot of time in the gym, a lot of, uh, you know, there, there is a lot of sacrifice, um, for sure. There is a lot of sacrifice and, you know, that's, that comes with being, um, a professional athlete. I'm sure in any sport, it's the same. So, uh, probably people don't always see that, but at the same time, um, I think that that, I guess what I what I call sacrifice has to be a part of the the joy of 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 being in Formula One and you know the joy of of being an athlete is you know there 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 is a lot of um, dedication there is a lot of uh, sacrifice that comes with that process and um, for sure that times it at times it sucks at times you know I wake up in the morning and I don't feel like um, you know, going to the gym, or I don't feel like, uh, you know, going to the factory and driving the simulator at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, I mean, like it's, you know, there's, there's on, on a Tuesday after a Grand Prix weekend when I'm, when I'm tired, you know, there, there, there is times like that. But like I said, you know, when, when those, those glory, um, glory moments do come, um, like being on pole, like standing on a podium and just having a great result and, everything comes together um it's all it's all worth it and um that's what keeps bringing me back mm. I'm, I'm interested in your relationship with the other drivers you say esteban ocon is is a mate but can you ever stop being rivals even away from the racetrack or is it competition every time you see them um no i think that I think that there's respect away from the track and you can be good friends. There's no reason why not. Uh, with Esteban, I, you know, I consider him a very good friend off the track and whatever happens on the track happens on the track and when we're off the track, you know, we're, we're buddies and um, it's been like that and I think it will, will always be like that, you know. There's, there's no reason why it doesn't have to be, you know, we fight so hard, we battle so hard on the track and when we have our helmets on, you know we are competitors and everyone wants to, to beat everyone else but um, away from the track um, I think it's important to disconnect and you know and, and, and yeah and, and, and forget about all that so don't hold grudges drivers don't hold grudges is that what we're saying here? well I mean if Esteban comes <laughs> flying into me in turn one in Bahrain that's a different you know, maybe I won't talk to him the next day <laughs> that's a different story <laughs> I guess there's a fine line here Tom <laughs> <laughs> let's wind it back to 2015 all right your first season in Formula 3 now I want to ask you about Monza you and Antonio Giovinazzi come together and it's one of the biggest crashes I've seen in a long time. I mean, do you guys laugh about that now or, or, or just talking about grudges or, or do you not even mention it? No, I try, I, to be honest, I, I I try and kind of forget about that day. It was a terrible day and um, yeah, I mean, 
it was it's racing you know some unfortunately sometimes um you know when we're out there and we're you know fighting wheel to wheel um uh, things go wrong uh that was one of those days where things went wrong and um just luckily uh you know we we all walked away from it okay and uh you know i wasn't i wasn't hurt or anything like that so i was very fortunate to get away with that one i kind of that was what that was one where i went home afterwards and i made myself a nice dinner and i pet my dog well things did get pretty wild in that first season of f3 because if I point you to Spa as well and Felix Rosenqvist and there was, um, I reckon that was quite a, uh, there was quite an aggressive Lance Stroll racing driver back then. Would you agree? Well, I was young and uh, full of testosterone. So <laughs> I had- uh, Younger, I I younger, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I definitely had that, um, had that fighting spirit inside of me, which I still do. I think I just lacked probably some control uh, when I was when I was a bit younger and I think I was a little bit impatient at times to to, to win you know to win races and um, I think that backfired uh, you know that definitely backfired on me and in that season I learned a lot I learned a lot about you know patience and um, kind of you know taming taming that uh, yeah, taming myself and, and keeping myself together. I think I was very impatient that season to get my first win and I knew that I was capable of getting it and I had the, the speed to do it and everything was um, in place to do it, but I just I just hadn't done it yet for like three quarters of the season. I hadn't won the race. I hadn't won a race in, in Formula 3 and a lot of those crashes came down to just being a little bit too eager for it and... Um, and probably just trying too hard rather than letting it come to me and that definitely was something that I learned that season but I, I recovered towards the end of the season I think the last few races of that season were much better yeah. for me that was that was definitely a big learning lesson in my racing career just um, yeah just just calming calming myself down uh, a bit and um, and I think just just having having a bit more patience in that season, I was a little bit impatient in in, in many of the races, and um, and I I caused a lot of uh, accidents because of that, for sure. Mm. Well, well, twenty sixteen following year, you didn't stop winning fourteen wins out of 30 races i had to learn my lesson the hard way <laughs> well and you did learn your lesson didn't you what what was it like to ride that wave of success in 16 i was drinking a lot of champagne so <laughs> it, was, uh, it was weren't even old enough yeah i wasn't even old enough and i was yeah i was uh, drinking a lot of champagne um <laughs> seriously how, how do you but do you sort of get to a point where you feel invincible um Yes and no. Uh, with good results comes confidence. So I was definitely very confident uh, that that year, and I did feel like I was one step ahead of everyone else that season because I, I kept proving it to myself. I kept proving to myself that I was, you know, um, winning races and you know, constantly on pole, and that just builds confidence. So um, I kept reassuring myself that I was. That I was that I was better than the rest, and uh, yeah, that was that was great. But did I ever feel invincible? No, I mean, you know, I I, I always recognize that there's you know there's plenty of talent out there, and 
you know, on someone else's good day, they'll beat me. And it's as simple as that. So um, I try I try and always stay humble as a, as a person, as a driver. You know, you never want to be overly confident about anything because, you know, you can always be uh, surprised. So, um, no, it was just a great season in general. You know, I was, I was at one with the car and, um, you know, I, I was... Uh, I had a very good relationship with with the team. Um, you know, everyone really supported me that year in in, in Prema, uh, and we we made a great team all together. And because of that, we had a great season. And I believe I came back into one into 2016 as a probably much more mature driver, and I learned from my mistakes from 2015, and that's that really contributed to to my championship. Can we talk a little bit about your journey now? Uh, journey from living in Canada coming to Europe and then the whole racing bug um can you remember what made you want to get into a go-kart for the first time how old were you six I was I was six exactly I was six the first time I got in a go-kart and it all started because I was a little adrenaline junkie that was up for anything and um for my sixth birthday, my dad bought me a, a little go-kart and um, we have a, a track, uh, we own a track uh, up, in, in, up in Canada, outside of Montreal, a little place called Mont Tremblant. And um, there was an F1 race there back in the day, wasn't there? I wasn't born, but maybe you were, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Mr. Stroll. (laughs) No, you're not that old. old. Um, I was far from born, though, on the other hand. Um, Yeah, that was way before my time. But anyways, um, no, so uh, my dad bought me a little go-kart when I was six. And um, I was always very passionate about racing and stuff. We'd watch Formula One together and... Um, you know, it was it's, 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 it was it was running through the family. Um, so, got my little go kart at six. We set up some cones in the parking lot of the racetrack, and I, I just I drove around like all summer, um, just around the cones, and just it was just a little uh, go kart with like four stroke small engine. Um, I was six, so it was really just the beginning. But um, that was the beginning of the end. That was the beginning of the end. And then I ended up here. <laughs> I love the fact that your first miles in a, in a go-kart were at Mont-Tremblant. Um, and it was like a lightning strike, was it? In terms of you just loved it and, and knew from that moment on. Wow, that's, that's a strong word that I knew at six years old that I was going to be in Formula <laughs> One. But um, I definitely... Uh, I definitely got the bug. I got the racing bug, and yeah. uh, it grew from there. It grew from there, one year at a time, and uh, ended up uh, ended up here. Well, at what point did racing change from being a hobby to an obsession? I was I was probably when I moved to Europe with my family. I was twelve, eleven or twelve. Twelve. I was twelve, um, and we came over to Europe to compete. Uh, like in internationally in in in, in go karts because it was much more competitive. The first few years I raced in Canada is competitive, but if you want to if you want to compete against the best, you have to come to Europe, and, and that's where the, all the best drivers in the world, uh, you know, from twelve years old onwards, uh, compete. So um, when when we made that commitment, that's that's when it it started to become more serious. But it was still, you know, Formula One was still. Um, 
kind of in the distance and I wasn't sure at 12 years old that I was going to be a Formula One driver. It, it was still it was still a hobby. It was still fun. I mean, you can't take things too seriously at that age. Uh, and I think that when I was in Formula Three and I was winning races and yeah, I signed with Williams that year to be their, I think it was reserve, not their reserve driver. It was their like junior driver. Um, I knew that there was an opportunity to, to go to Formula One and um, yeah, and, and uh, you know, and, and that was that was kind of the big picture, yeah. But was the main reason the family moved from Canada to Europe to support your racing career? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it's thanks to my mom, my sister, you know, everyone. Yeah, the, the whole family. I mean, if, without my sister, um, you know, willing to go to school in Europe and, um, you know, supporting my dreams I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am today without my mom willing to do it I wouldn't be where I am today and without my dad you know supporting me and, and helping me from day one um, and being my you know being being by my side um, I wouldn't be here today so it's 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 everybody for sure it's my whole family they've all contributed and they've all they've all supported me and, and been there with me um, throughout the journey and it's thanks to them um, that, that I am where I am today it's an incredible family commitment, isn't it? Now, there's the perception that you've had an easy ride getting here. Now, you're familiar with the stick people used to beat you, but what is your reaction to that? Because that story you've just told about the whole family moving to Europe, you know, that that's commitment way beyond just Lance Stroll, isn't it? For sure. I mean, I love it. I fuel off of it. I think. Um, what the criticism? For sure. For sure. It, it, you know, if, if if you don't fuel off the criticism, then you dwell on it, and it, it it eats you up inside. So I think I've learned to kind of embrace it and use it as like you know energy um, to prove people wrong. And I, I you know I love that. I you know I, I think that that's that's it's it's powerful. You know, it's powerful to use it as fuel and. Um, but I've always said to myself, I'll just do my talking on the track and, you know, it's, it's always been like that since day one because of where I come from and my background, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that I guess probably hope that I don't do so well and they hope that I fail and, um, and that's okay. You know, everyone is entitled to have their own opinion. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I I just do my talking on the track, and you know I won those championships leading up to Formula One, Formula Four, Formula Three. Um, I won the Toyota Racing Series in New Zealand. Um, yeah, that's a decent CV. One, and in Formula One, you know <laughs> I've I've been on the podium. I've you know been on been on pole, and I've, you know I've had many good races. Uh, my consistency hasn't been the best. I'm aware of that. That's something that I'm still working on. Um, in the last couple of years, I definitely think that my consistency can be can be better. Um, and there was a year at Williams where I was in a pretty bad car, so that was a tough year for me. But you know, I've I've proved as well in Formula One that you know um, that that uh, you know I, I deserve to be here. And um, and it's always it's always going to be the same. I think you know I've recognized that it's when you do bad, people start talking bad, and when you do well, you know everyone's. Everyone's right there. Everyone wants a piece of the pie. So it's all part of the circus. There are other drivers on the grid who have had equal opportunity to you. Do you think you get a rougher ride in the media 
than they do. I mean, maybe to be honest, I you know I try not to to read too much of what's going on in the media. Um, it's a lot of noise, and um, yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of a waste of my time to be honest. So you know, I I don't know all the all the details to that to that question. I, I couldn't I couldn't answer it for you. How would you describe your relationship with your father? Um, I mean, I guess I know him pretty well. <laughs> um we've we've been through we've been through uh quite a bit together you could say that um no i mean i I have a you know a great relationship with him uh away from the track you know as a dad um and and as a as a boss (laughs) so um is it odd having him as a boss no because he's a good boss (laughs) So, um, you know, he's, he's been extremely successful in so many of his businesses, um, it's, you know, in the fashion industry and, and then whatever he's, he's, he's picked up, he's, he's been successful at, and it's, it's been the same in Formula One, you know, where we were this time last year as a team, um, even before this time last year, at the beginning of last year and where we are now, it goes to show how much progression and, um, you know how much progression we've made as a team and that's thanks to him that's thanks to him uh you know guiding this ship and it's thanks to the 500 very talented people that we have back at the factory that you know go to work and every day and and and, and get get the job done does he put a lot of pressure on you um, I think I put more pressure on him when he's watching the race from the sidelines. I mean, he's got a, he's picked up a few gray hairs over the years. <laughs> Final lap, Lance Stroll on for his first ever podium. Valtteri Bottas, 1.3 seconds behind. Huge pressure for the teenager in the Williams. But he looks rock solid. Lance Stroll, has he been overtaken by Valtteri Bottas? Just on the line, Bottas gets second. Oh man, he got me! Uh, unlucky. P3, P3, mega drive, mega drive. I can remember Baku 2017 and seeing your dad stood below that podium. Uh, he was well, he was welling up. It was, it was a special moment, and he really cares about your career, doesn't he? That's what came across in that moment, and and you see it every step of the way. Do you almost feel like it's the two of you doing this together? For sure. We've been on this journey together from the start and we're still on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't, no, he doesn't put pressure on me because he supports me when it, you know, through the, through the hard times as much as the good times. And, you know, that's, I think that that's what, what family does. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bigger picture than just racing it's you know it's a it's a father and son journey it's a family journey like i said we've all been on it together and um he's had my back through the through the highs and and through the lows and you know that um that says it all do you share any other hobbies away from racing we got pretty competitive on the golf course sometimes i give him a few strokes (laughs) but uh (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that's about it, I guess. Uh, What's your handicap? Oof, 
That's a, that's a tough question, Tom. Some days it's uh, some days it's a hundred. Some days I play I play scratch. <laughs> um, but on a good day, varies, on a good day, oh, I like to think I'm around a six seven. Yeah, when I'm when I'm playing well, that's proper. Like I said, that's a very loose uh, loose handicap. Some days it's more like a 26, 27. So yeah, <laughs> let's let's st- keep talking about racing. <laughs> In fact, do you and um, do you and Dad share a passion for? Uh, is it the New York Giants and other other sports away from F one? Yeah, we we watch the Giants. We we actually we went to two Super Bowls um, where they both won when I was I was young. I was I think I was it was two thousand. 2007 and then 2012 we've always been big fans and um, we were both Super Bowls so that was pretty cool yeah that is very cool um, now look that was you as a fan I want to ask you about your fans did you know that your eyebrows have their own Twitter page my eyebrows <laughs> yes <laughs> no clearly I haven't been spending enough time on Twitter <laughs> what's it called <laughs> I can't remember. Lance's brows just, with, with like I, a Z I, at the end. I've just got it scribbled down on a note in front of me here. Ask him about his eyebrows, which have got their own Twitter page. <laughs> but look, what about your relationship with your fans? Well, I, mean, I guess when it comes to my eyebrows, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> or bad, I don't know. <laughs> you ought to trademark them. I'm, you know, Damon Hill used to have his... Um, his visor open and there's a shot of his with his balaclava over his nose and anyway enough of your eyebrows what about um just your fans when you go to montreal what kind of reception do you get fans in are they waiting for you in the airport uh yeah i mean yeah for sure i not only montreal i think you know across the across the globe it's amazing sometimes when we're in the middle of i don't know like russia or Japan. I mean, Japan. It's it's amazing. The fans are incredible. But um, wherever we go, sometimes we're in the weirdest places, and I'll just like see like some Canadian flags, and I'll stop and you know start talking to the to, to the people, and like they're like, oh, we came all the way from Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver. To, you know, we're here. We go to every race. So like, it's just crazy. Like, you, you know, there's people that, that they just love it. They love the excitement. They love the sport and. That's so great to see, you know, that's what makes Formula One so amazing is there's, you know, fans all across the globe that even, you know, they travel around the world and uh, to, to support drivers, teams and, um, you know, it's, it's an electric, it's really an electric, um, you know, environment that's, it's, uh, it's amazing, it's, it's incredible and in Montreal it, it definitely is um, a, the most special uh, race of the season for me. Uh, it was it was a shame to see it didn't happen this year. I was really looking forward to it, and um, you know uh, when I turn when I show up to the track, all the support, um, all the energy. It's it really is amazing. I remember when I f- scored my first point there, my first uh, points. I, I finished ninth in two thousand seventeen. The, uh, the the reaction of the crowd and the support. Um, you know I. I think there was a video that my friend took. He was in the grandstand, and I, I overtook uh, Fernando um, Alonso in, in in that race to to get my to get my first points. And the reaction of the grandstand was incredible. And you know, everyone was up on their feet, uh, and hundreds of thousands of people. And you know that that is is touching. Um, you know, it's 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 an honor to 
to support my country and, and what I do and um, to have the support to have you know fans that are uh, so into Formula One and they, they really love the sport every time every year we go to Montreal I think we all feel it you know the fans really get into it they love Formula One they love the action and um, that's what makes it so great so um, yeah uh, you know I, I, I love going home and uh, the last couple of years I've even had my grandstand the, the Lance Stroll grandstand and the hairpin um, and everyone wears a, like a Lance Stroll t-shirt and that's been pretty cool to have that support so yeah um, you know there's, there's definitely uh, there's definitely a lot of support back home and um, and uh, you know I I, I, I love it I, I really appreciate everyone everyone being there and uh, you know supporting me Let's end this by throwing it forward. 2021, Aston Martin, Sebastian Vettel. How does Lance Stroll look in green? Have you tried it on yet? My Aston Martin road car is going to look pretty good in green. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, it'll definitely look good in green. Green, pink, whatever it's going to be. I think as as long as it's fast, you know. This year, it's it's pink. I I didn't like the pink at the beginning, but it's grown on me as, as... as the car has gotten better, as we've had gotten more downforce on the car. Um, I, I love the pink now. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the rules are staying largely the same next year. Do you think this current car can still be improved a lot? I mean, what are your expectations for 2021, just from a results point of view? High expectations, um, you know, uh, for sure, I think we can improve. There's definitely areas, you know, I, you know, I look at Definitely. Aside from the car, you know, I, I think this year could have been much better for me. Um, if I look back at Monza, I think you're sitting in fourth in the World Championship and with 57 points. And now uh, I've had like five or six really bad races. I've only scored two points since then, and I fell to like I think 10th or 11th in the World Championship. So um, that goes to show that there's definitely a lot more. Um, that, that, that I can achieve, you know, and, and that that motivates me for next year. But, you know, for as a team and um, and the whole car, I, you know, I definitely think we can improve. I think we can progress on where we are this year. There's there's areas that we know um, the, the car is a little bit weak and we're going to address address some of that over the winter and um, and come back stronger next year. Uh, and what about Vettel? What do you know of him? How well do you know him? Yeah, he's all right. He's a four-time world champion. I guess he's half decent. <laughs> um, no, he's. I mean, he's a you know an incredibly like you know joking aside, he's an incredibly talented driver with uh, you know a lot of experience, and um, I really look forward to to working alongside him. I think he's going to be be a great uh, asset to the team and. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it's 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 gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun. Are you sad to see Sergio go? Uh, for sure. I mean, you know, Sergio's been a great teammate, and uh, you know, we've 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 had had some fun over the last couple of years, um, being in the same team together. And uh, you know, it's uh, but that's you know that's Formula One, and you know, it, it's um, it's. Uh, yeah, it's like that. I mean, we had, teammates don't always hang around forever, I guess. So um, I wish him all the best and wherever life takes him from here. Well, look, final question then has to be, what's your favorite Bond car? <laughs> what's my favorite Bond car? 
the old one that he drives in Casino Royale. He drives that like old one. Oh, I don't. It's a BB5. Goes and wins a big hand, jumps in the car, gets the girl, takes off. Favorite car. Favorite Aston Martin. He could be a racing driver. Next year, I'm going to be 0018. (laughs) That's very good. Oh, Lance, it's been wonderful to chat. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Tom. Now, I don't know about you, but I thought we heard a different side of Lance Stroll there. He was funny, engaged and interesting throughout. And I thought he answered the difficult questions about his critics with conviction. It'll be fascinating to see how he fares alongside Sebastian Vettel at Aston Martin next year. Seb will be a great benchmark for Lance, who will no doubt push him hard and learn a load as well. Lance, many thanks for your time. It was great to catch up properly and good luck in the final couple of races this year. Thanks too to Racing Point for helping to make it happen. Before we go, let's have a quick look through the virtual mailbox to see what you've been saying about the show. And there's a lot of love out there for Lord Hesketh, my guest on the show last week. Geordie Pugh got in touch to say, for me, usually only the Grim Reaper stands between the fact and the result is one of the best lines from any of the episodes you've done. I was floored by that one. Well, me too, Geordie. Emotive stuff. I loved hearing Lord Hesketh's memories of the time, and it was clear that you underestimated Hesketh at your peril. Rob Kay got in touch to say, your Hesketh interview was probably my favourite, and I've listened to them all from the start. Bubbles Horsley sounds like a potential guest for the future. Well, thanks for the note, Rob. And yes, I like the sound of Bubbles Horsley too. One for next season, perhaps. And how about this one from Laurent? Lord Hesketh, what a true legend. Thank you for some insight about James Hunt not being the playboy and party animal only, but a great sportsman. This episode was indeed a time machine. Thank you. Well, yes, Laurent. I thought his observation about James's hand-eye coordination was enlightening, to say the least. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. But as ever, we'll be back with another top guest next week. We have some fabulous conversations left before the winter break. And if I haven't had time to read out your message, I apologise and please rest assured that I've read it because I read them all. And please keep them coming. I'm at Tom Clarkson F1 on Twitter, or you can use the hashtag F1 Beyond the Grid. And why not leave us a review online? Go on, you know you want to. Thanks for listening. As ever, Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 in association with Audio Boom. Until next time, keep it flat out.